Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Mr. Bennett from the Herald. Come to take in another show, huh? Tell me, Mr. Barnum, does it bother you that everything you're selling is fake? Do these smiles seem fake? Doesn't matter where they come from, the joy is real. So you are a philanthropist? Ah, oh, hyperbole isn't the worst crime. Men suffer more from imagining too little than too much. The creed of a true fraud. Mr. Bennett, when was the last time you smiled? I had a good laugh. A real laugh. Theater critic who can't find joy in the theater. Now who's a fraud? Oh, uh, Mr. Bennett. Uh, that word you used to describe my show has a nice ring to it. Awesome. Who enjoyed that? Uh, it's, it's a good song. It gets me. I love it. I love it. Good and catchy, and my iPad is frozen, which is really fantastic right now. So, one second. What I love about this song, though, is that the lyrics describe what it's like, as the song says, to be a dead man walking, to coming alive, to breaking free. So if we get, if we get the lyrics up from the song, that's all good. It starts off like this. It says, and we, miss, we missed the first part when the video came up, but it says, you stumble through your days, got your head hung low. Your sky's a shade of grey, like a zombie in a maze. You're asleep inside, but you can shake away. It's like basically what it means to start off your life not really knowing what you're doing. It's really mundane, it's really boring. You're just stuck in this asleep sort of phase. It's almost like it's what people are when they don't know who Jesus is. And you know what? I feel like this song is just an, almost an accurate description of that. But it goes on to say, man, the Wi-Fi in this place just wants to make my iPad connect. Odd. Anyway. <laughs> but it goes on to say, you think you're a dead man walking, thinking that's your only option. But you can flip the switch and brighten up your darkest day. The sun is up and the colors blinding. Take the world and redefine it. Leave behind your narrow mind. You'll never be the same. You can, you can leave behind that way of mundane thinking, the, the life that's boring, and actually, you can come alive. Like the song beckons to do, you to do, come alive. Jesus does, does the same. He offers us life. So the first point tonight is, if you're taking notes, come alive. Really, really simple. Come alive. Like the whole title of the song, yeah. John 10.10 10 says, I came that they might have life and life abundantly. Jesus' whole purpose was to come here and set us free from the way that we were living, the mundane. But how do we actually get there? Because for some of us, we are in a place where we, we lack hope. We don't feel like we've got joy, where the future doesn't seem all that bright. We don't know how we're going to get into the next phase of our life because all we can see is what is in front of us, which is, which is blinding us from the next season. 
And what this movie shows, which is great, is that the people who are on the, the fringe, the outcasts of society, those who, you know, are too tall, too fat, too thin, ladies with beards, all that kind of thing, it kind of describes, it shows them that they are in the shadows, but now they can be free and actually come out and show who they really are. And that's because they have the ability to break free. They have just as much ability to come alive than anyone else. And it's the same for you. You may not have something physical that people can see, but maybe you're fearful or insecure. Maybe you're in a place where you just are struggling to know what your calling is or what you're, what you're supposed to be doing with your life. But Jesus wants you to come alive, and you have just as much the ability as anybody else. You know, Jesus went to the people first who were the outcasts. He didn't go to the people who were perfect. He went to the lepers. He went to the poor. He went to the blind. He went to the lame. The people who were despised, the people who were on the rejected, the outside, you know, the people who the Pharisees and the people that were supposedly good didn't want to associate with. He went to them first, and he loved them and made them belong. But the thing is, even though they're on the fringe and Jesus goes to them, they still don't know how yet to come alive. But Jesus offers us a way. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, which is going to come up on the screen, says this, After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That's it right there. Repent and believe the good news. That's how you come alive. That's his core. And so what he wants us to do is to repent and have faith in something that is greater than what we're currently believing in. And what it actually means, the word repent, and I learned this from Pastor Peter Prothero. He's a legend. Um, when it says repent, in the Greek, it actually means to change your thinking and to think differently than what you are currently. There's so much Christian baggage that comes along with the word repent, but if Jesus was here today, he might not use that word. In fact, what he might say instead is you ought to think differently about things than how you currently are. Think differently about reality because God's kingdom is different to how you think normally, but actually it's better. So repent, believe in something greater. God wants us to come alive. The song said again, to anyone who is searching for a way to break free. If you're searching for a way to break free from the mundane, come alive. Jesus is calling you to it. If you're not living life to the full, it's right there for you. But if you don't know who Jesus is and you haven't taken a step towards him, perhaps you need to consider what he said. Perhaps you need to consider changing your mind, changing your thinking about that. Because God wants to be in a relationship with you. Jesus wants to know you. He doesn't want us to get caught up in the way that the world defines us, living the mundane and the criticism and expectations, what the world defines as success and failure. He doesn't want us to get caught up in that. He wants us to let him show us who we are, that we're valued, that we belong, that we have a place. Hey, but even if you do know who Jesus is and you are in a relationship with him, he said, I came that they might have life and life abundantly or life to the fullest. So if you're not living in a place of abundant life, maybe you need to break free again. Maybe you need to take another step towards Jesus. Maybe you're getting caught up in tradition and routine of everyday life and you need to step out of that and realize that Jesus came for more than that. Don't miss 
out on the call of God on your life. Come alive and let Jesus bring you alive. Now, we're going to watch the second clip. And this clip is set in the bar. And so I just have to say, we don't condone drinking uh, in the amount that you're about to see. But um, anyway, the clip shows this guy, P.T. Barnum, who was the, who's Hugh Jackman's character, who, who, who's, who runs the circus. <laughs> he runs the circus. Anyway, he's meeting with this guy, Philip Carlyle, who's a really well-known, successful person in the community. He runs a theater, and he runs a popular theater for the wealthy people. And so we're going to watch P.T. Barnum present an opportunity to him through this song. So let's take another look. Can I buy you a drink? I want to go after the carriage trade, present legitimate acts, expand our appeal, go after the snobs. If you only knew how suffocating they are. So come join the circus. You clearly have a flair for show business. Teach me how to appeal to the highbrows. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Mr. Barnum, I can't just run off and join the circus. Why not? Sounds thrilling, doesn't it? Let's just say that I find it much more comfortable admiring your show from afar. Comfort, the enemy of progress. Do you understand that just associating with you could cost me my inheritance? Oh, it could cost you more than that. You'd be risking everything, but on the other hand, well, you just might find yourself a free man. Right here, right now, I put the offer out. I don't want to chase you down. I know you see it. You run with me, and I can cut you free. Out of the treachery of walls you keep in. So trade that typical for something colorful. And if it's crazy, live a little crazy. You can play it sensible, a king of conventional. Or you can risk it all and trapped in. Now I admire you, and that will show you do. You're onto something, really it's something. But I live among the swells, and we don't pick up peanut shells. I'll have to leave that up to you. Well, 
intriguing, but to go would cost me greatly. So what percentage of the show would I be taking? Fair enough, you'd want a piece of all the action. I'd give you seven, we could shake and make it happen. I wasn't born this morning, 18 would be just fine. Why not just go ahead and ask for nickels on the dime? 15, I do eight, 12, maybe not. Sir, looks like you have yourself a junior partner. What I have is an overcompensated apprentice. I don't remember where it ended, but um, okay. Anyway, <laughs> as we saw in that clip, yeah, bar scene, a lot of drinking, like I said. Anyway, moving on. We see this guy, PC Barnum, present this opportunity to Philip Carlyle, who is Zac Efron's character. And we know that this guy, he's successful in what he does already. He's really well known, he's accomplished. But like he says at the beginning, if you could only know how suffering they are, if that was the word exactly he used. He's successful, but he's bored. He's not living life to his full potential. He's dissatisfied in his heart, although on the surface it looks like he's got it all. And the thing about the opportunity that's presented to him is that it directly impacts everything that Philip lives for. Everything that he has will be, got, will be given away if he takes this opportunity. Saying yes to the opportunity means leaving behind the riches, the success, the status, the future, and the inheritance, at least in what he can currently see. And in fact, his initial response to that is, I'm far more comfortable watching from afar. Then P.T. Barnum hits him back with this comfort. That's the enemy of progress. If you get comfortable, you're never going to move forwards. P.C. Barnum, he could see through the facade of this good life to the boredom and the dissatisfaction that he actually had. And he gives him an opportunity and lays it all out in front of him. He says, you're going to be risking a heck of a lot more than just your inheritance. But you know what you're going to find? You might just find yourself a free man. You might just find yourself some freedom, some joy, some laughter, and maybe some fulfillment as well. And you know what? It's going to be risky, but you're definitely not going to get that by what you're currently doing. You know, that's exactly what the call to discipleship is. It's a risk to follow someone who has called you to something greater. And Jesus is calling us. He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us and a destiny that he wants us to walk into. 
Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 18, says this, And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. You know, Jesus called Simon and Andrew because he saw that they had potential. They had destiny in them, and that he wanted to call that out. And you know what? They left what they had. They left their jobs as fishermen to go and join Jesus. Even though they probably didn't know what that entailed, they just dropped it all and left. Which leads me to my second point. Take a risk and follow a vision that inspires you. They could see that Jesus was a man who was worth following. They could see that Jesus was a man who wasn't just your typical run-of-the-mill teacher of the law rabbi. There was something about him that was greater. They didn't necessarily know he was the Messiah at the time, but they could see that there was something worth following. And they didn't wait around for years or months to see what would happen before they decided whether it was really worth it or not. They just followed. They couldn't imagine what their destiny was going to be like, but they knew that it was greater than where they were. Now, I'm not saying that their jobs as fishermen were rubbish jobs. In fact, it's a good job. If you're a fisherman, that's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. But it's not awesome if God has called you to be somewhere else and you're still there. If God has called you to be doing something different than what you currently are, maybe it's time to take a risk. You know what I also love about the story is Jesus said he would make them become fishers of men. He didn't just say, I will make you, as in instantly when you come with me, you're just going to get there and it'll be, it'll be made, you'll be made, it'll be done. Sweet as. No, he said, I will make you become. It's going to be a journey. And so when we take a risk, we're not going to instantly get to a place where we feel like we've, we've done it, we've made it a success. It's going to be a journey. So has God placed a vision inside you that inspires you, that makes you excited, that you dream about, that you know that God has given you? Too often, we give up on those things for security and comfort. Don't do that. Don't give it up for money, for a job, for your comfort. Jesus wants us to find comfort in our relationship with him. It's all about our relationship with Jesus. And when we find our comfort in our relationship with him, when an opportunity comes your way that looks like it's just stupid, like it looks you in the face and you're like, why the heck would I ever do that? Then we know that our security is not in what we're going into, but actually it's in Jesus who is our provider. Yeah? Now, just an example from my own life. I am a physiotherapist, so I try to fix people who are broken. And, and uh, I do it most of the time, but there's obviously people that sometimes are harder to fix than others. That's not the point of the story. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I worked in the hospital when I first left university for 10 months. And while I was working in the hospital, I got really, really comfortable. It became easy very, very fast because it used about 10% of the knowledge that I used in university. And what was, what was easy about that job is I could just go to work, 8, 8 a.m. in the morning, finish at 4.30, leave work at work. Didn't have to worry about it. But I felt bored. I was just, I don't know, it was just tedious and it was repetitive for me. And I understand that there are people who love working in the hospital. 
as a physio or as a doctor or whatever. But for me, it just didn't fit. And I knew that God was calling me out of there into something else. And so when the opportunity arose for me to go into a private practice, which is where I'm working now, I was like, great. But I haven't done that for over 18 months now, and I wasn't that experienced in it beforehand. I'm not going to be any good at it. I was really scared about going into that job, and it even meant taking a pay cut to go to that job. So I, immediately I was like, uh, 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 um, well, I'll do it because I'm bored and I know there's something more to this, and I took a risk on it. But I tell you what, the first two weeks were really hard. I, was, I struggled. I felt dumb. I felt stupid ass. I got to the job on Monday, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. On the job on Tuesday, still didn't know what I was doing. Luckily, Pastor Matt Cornford, who's now after Masterton, I worked with him. And so he was there, and he helped to guide me through those first two weeks, which was awesome. And God provided that for me. Even though I took the risk, God provided for me in that. And now, don't even blink an eye when somebody comes through the door, that's something I haven't seen before. Because I feel confident, and God has grown me in that area, and I've grown in that time. So if you're here, and you have a vision or a dream that God is calling you into, and it's a scary step, now it could be big or small, but you know that God is calling you into it. Take a risk. Go on, take a risk. Trust God. He's going to provide for you. He's going to do more than you could ever think or imagine. Cool. Last clip. Now, this clip, we're going to see the same group of people that we saw in the first clip, who are the people that are in the circus, who were rejected, but now they're shut out again. So, let's watch that. It's inspiring. Let's do it. Think she likes a man in uniform? I'm sure she does. Guy, what, what, what are you doing here? You got to show in an hour, okay? It's enough time for us to have at least three drinks, right? <laughs> Come on. No, 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 Letty. What? It's very crowded in here, okay? And I can't have you mingling. Guys, who's going to pay admission if you're out there for all the world to see? Okay, have a great show. Wait. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a toast. Jenny, America may not know it yet, but they are going to love you. Who is this? Strange to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send the blood, gonna drown them out I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be This is me
gonna send a flood, gonna drown them out. This is brave, this is bruised, this is who I'm meant to be, this is me. Look out, you see your icon! Don't you love that? When the sharpest words want to cut me down. I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to drown them out. This is me. My third point tonight is take a stand. I love how we see that they were rejected and the person who made them accepted again shut them out, shut the door. Now, Jesus doesn't do that to us. But when that happened, they took a stand. They said, actually, no, this is me. I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I don't care what the world thinks. And we see them walk through the crowd of people, even though the people don't want them there. They don't care, because they've learned to come to accept who they are and who God made them to be, and they own that. They're not going to let the world define who they are. And it's the same with you. You don't have to let the world define you. I love how Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10 says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You know, Paul could have let his past define his future. If anybody else, you know, Paul was despised by Christians because he murdered Christians. I bet they loved him, but at the same time, they feared him, wouldn't you? He was a man who had, had a reputation of just cutting out anything to do with Jesus. He didn't want to hear about it, but then he encountered who Jesus was, and by the grace of God, he came alive. Like that first point, he came alive, and then the things of his past, they no longer defined him. Just imagine for a second that you're Paul, and you've got this history of killing Christians, and you encounter Jesus. Now, I know it's, it's a pretty grim scenario to think about, but this is the case of what Paul had to live with. He was living with the guilt and the shame, but he realized that the grace of God was greater than that. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He no longer lets that past define him, but now he can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of who Jesus is, and know that by the grace he has redeemed himself. But just imagine that you're trying to walk up to Christians now, and you're trying to say, hey, don't worry, I'm on your side, I'm not going to kill you. I'm sure some people accepted him, but there would have been people who were judging of him and skeptical that he'd actually changed. But he didn't let his identity either be found in what other people said about him. He didn't even let his success define who he was. And he was, when we think about it, he wrote more than half the New Testament. 
half of the New Testament of the Bible. That's pretty successful from a, from a humanly point of view. But he didn't let that define him. He let the grace of God define who he was. If you're a Christian here, God has called you to take a stand and be confident in who you are. I love how this song and this clip shows an absolute refusal to let the word world define who they are. I won't let them break me down. I know there's a place for me. When you know who you are in God, it doesn't matter what the world says. The only thing that matters is what God says. You know that your Father in heaven loves you. So why let the world define you? Because the world is always going to tell you who you are, what you should do, what you should spend your money on, who you should spend your time with, what you should believe. The world tells you what's good and bad, what is acceptable and unacceptable. The world has opinions about everything and will challenge what you believe. But as a Christian, as a son of daughter of God, God says, this is who you are. And you're to stand up and say, I am a son, I am a daughter of God. You know, when I was in high school, I made some pretty bad decisions about who I chose to be my friends. They bullied me a bit, but I stuck around for some reason. I don't even know why. Looking back, it was the dumbest decision of my life. I endured that for years when I shouldn't have. But I got, I got to the point where they invited me out to hang out with them on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or whatever it ended up being. And I would turn around and say, no, I'm, I'm going to church. And they'd label me Bible basher. They'd label me lame. They'd just say, what are you doing? That's really dumb. But I wasn't going to let that define who I was. And it's by the grace of God that I'm standing on the stage today. Because God defines who I am. You know, we aren't promised a smooth journey. There will be people who criticize you, who judge you. Take Joseph, for example. You know, he had a calling from God. He was going to be leading, and he told his brothers, you're going to bow down to me one day, rather arrogantly. They didn't like it, so they sold him into slavery, and he ended up in, uh, being a slave in Potiphar's house. He found favor with Potiphar, and Potiphar made him the head of his house. But then Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And when he refused to let himself do that, he ended up in prison for five years. That's below average. That's, that's really average, in fact. It sucks. But in the trial and the testing of being in prison, being forgot about by others, Joseph found himself only relying on God. He knew that if God had a destiny for him, then God would be the one who would bring about that destiny. And he trusted God. He lived in relationship with him. And he became humble. You know, sometimes God will allow you to go through trials, testing, hardship, because he wants you to learn to rely on him and him only. And it's gonna develop a humility in you that realizes that you can only do this life in your relationship with Him. So when you go through any trials, when you go through any storms, when you go through any hardships, whatever you want to call them, know God is constant. God is with you. He is truth. Jesus is with you. All you have to do is focus on your relationship with Him and be secure in who you are. Who cares when the world has it in for you? Who cares? It only matters what God thinks about you. 
You know, I believe that God wants to shift a perspective in people's hearts tonight. There were three areas I talked about. The first one was coming alive. And so we don't like to presume that everybody here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I believe that God wants to meet you where you're at if you don't. And so with everybody with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here and you feel like life has just become boring, you're just stuck, it's tedious, it's gray, it's monotonous, Jesus wants to help you come alive. And Jesus wants to meet you. Because the truth is, Jesus came to make you come alive and he died on a cross himself, paid the price so that you could. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.